Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the midweek edition of Legal AF with your regular co-anchors, Michael Popak, Karen Friedman, Eknifolo. There are four stories we just have to talk about uh, at the intersection of law, politics, and justice, and here we go. First, E. Jean Carroll. Case might have went dark for a couple of days because somebody allegedly had COVID, or did she? What was Alina Haba's real tactic there in doubling down that she had been exposed to COVID because she saw her parents and had a fever in court while she sat next to Donald Trump without a mask, was able to convince the judge to delay the trial and the testimony of Donald Trump to get over the New Hampshire primary and then showed up in New Hampshire uh, banging a tambourine and, and talking to all sorts of Trump supporters without a mask, of course. And now she's now she's going to have to maybe pay the price when she returns to court tomorrow, where we will finally find out if Donald Trump is really going to testify in the E. Jean Carroll case or not. And we will, Karen and I, will cover all that for tomorrow. Then we'll move on to the District uh, of Columbia Court of Appeals. This time, because Donald Trump likes, when he loses on appeals, he likes to lose more than once. And so now he's lost again. He's asked, he asked for an en banc review rehearing by all 12 uh, judges of the D.C. Court of Appeals of a decision by the merits panel, a three-judge panel, that had already affirmed in large part Judge Chutkin's gag order on Donald Trump related to the D.C. election interference case, a case that we think will probably resume and go back to trial in uh, April or May, depending upon the results of another three-judge panel of the D.C. Court of Appeals. But Donald Trump has lost again on his attempt to have the full um, 12-member D.C. Court of Appeals hear his appeal on Bonk, and therefore he's on the horns of a dilemma. Does he, does he risk it and try to take an appeal to the United States Supreme Court through Chief Justice Roberts, or does he leave well enough alone while they continue to decide whether he has presidential, or one day will decide whether he has presidential immunity for all things related to his criminal conduct and whether he belongs on the ballot or not in many states, including Arizona and Maine? And we will talk about that. And speaking of the Supreme Court, we learned two things about the United States Supreme Court this week. There are four justices who do not believe in the supremacy clause. And they don't believe that the federal the federal government has exclusive jurisdiction over things like immigration and foreign affairs. And we learned that two of the right-wing justices do believe in the supremacy clause because they joined with three others that we usually refer to as the liberal justices on the Supreme Court to stop children from dying on the border of, of uh, the United States and Mexico on the Rio Grande River. Uh, and opposed and stopped the state of Texas from continuing to put up miles of barbed wire, which prevent the federal border patrol from doing their job, including reaching and rescuing migrants who were in distress. And so we'll talk about that surprise ruling. And then 
There was a decision that just came out at the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York, which has implications and ramifications for Donald Trump, although it didn't involve Donald Trump. It involved a person that the media likes to refer to as the pharma bro. He's the guy, Martin Scarelli, who, after he took over a company, decided to kind of jack up the prices related to medicine that was needed by lots of people for uh, various uh, ailments of theirs. And, uh, you know, he got sued by the federal government and various uh, attorney generals around the country, including New York. He ultimately, uh, after a jury trial and, and, a, uh, and, a, and a district court decision, he had $65 million disgorged, went to jail, and a permanent ban placed on his ability to participate in the pharmaceutical company and for pharmaceutical industry. What does all this have to do with Donald Trump? Well, uh, we have a very similar issue and very similar powers that are being litigated in the New York Attorney General case against Donald Trump, in which we've just had the closing arguments and the judge is writing his decision about whether Donald Trump should be permanently banned from the real estate industry in New York and whether the New York Attorney General has the power in addition to that, to um, uh, has the power to also um, uh, not only disgorge, but also ban him from the industry. And so that's a new case that's now going to go before the New York Attorney General. I'm sorry, he's going go to go, I'm sorry, everybody. He's going to go to the judge, Judge Angoron, for an ultimate decision. All that, and maybe I can get my introduction a little bit smoother the next time around on the midweek edition of Legal AF. Let me bring in my co-anchor and see if she can mm -hmm. do a better job not being so tongue-tied. Oh. I'm on the road. I'm sorry, folks, and my computer's acting great. a little bit. Thank you very much. Karen, how are you? Good. I love when we're live. It's really fun. Yeah, right? well, we're always live, Karen, as you know. All right, so moving on. <laughs> um, Popak, I think we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty on your end. Um, and I think it's because you're traveling. So we are going to just jump right into what's going on. And let's start with the E. Jean Carroll case, right? What's going on right now that is on pause and what is happening. It is absolutely uh, mind-boggling that there is nothing going on right now because of COVID. And the court system, especially in New York, takes COVID very seriously. When there was lockdown, when the pandemic happened and there was a, a, a lockdown, uh, COVID was something that prevented trials from going for about a year. And I'm, I'm sure it was like that in the rest of the country, but there was a very long time when there were no trials. And so it's still happening, apparently, because that's what's happening in the E. Jean Carroll case. And, uh, and here, um, Alina Haba came to court and basically said that she was exposed to COVID. She wasn't feeling well. I think her partner was also exposed to COVID. And um, and so one of the jurors also had COVID and all of the other jurors were exposed to them. But interestingly, Alina Haba shows up in New Hampshire. So I'm not really sure how sick she was. She was not wearing a mask and she's in New she was in New Hampshire. And there she is all the way there. So I think Judge Kaplan might have something to say about that. 
But in any event, the case keeps getting continued or, or put over uh, every couple of days. And now it is continued until Thursday. Um, there are nine jurors in this case, and, and you do need a unanimous jury, but they can go with six jurors if, uh, if the parties agree. So we'll see if that ends up happening. And if it turns out that uh, if it turns out that the judge will excuse the juror, or if they'll just keep continuing the case, or we'll see who how people are feeling, um, the judge did issue a uh, a minute order or just sort of a brief. Um, statement in the docket where he said uh, he he reinforced that the jury was going to be kept anonymous, that as a result, uh, the jury is going to be uh, brought back and forth to court and be given their food, et cetera, all in an effort to keep them anonymous. And so so that's what is happening right now in, uh, in E. Jean Carroll. Hello, Popak is back. It's, now we were we've been talking about Eugene Carroll and Lena Hapa. <laughs> I've been watching it on my iPhone. Unfortunately, my computer decided to, it had other plans. Okay, but but I'm back. Thanks for covering my partner. Appreciate you. <laughs> so awesome. All right. So, did we talk about Scarelli and Pharma, bro? No, no. We were just talking about um, E. Jean Carroll. Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah, let me yeah. tie. Let me tie. Let me I tie started with her. I started with yeah. with it, but I had I didn't go deep into it. I just right. said that. I got, uh, it. I got it. So let let's do. Uh, let's start with E. Jean Carroll where you left off. So now we've got Alina Haba. <clears throat> we got an Alina Haba problem because Alina Haba, in order to obtain something that she couldn't get naturally, which was to delay the Trump testimony until um, after the New Hampshire primary, doubled down on her being ill when she looks like she wasn't really ill. What I think happened is the following. And I'm piecing this together from reporting and what I know about trial practice. The judge reported to the lawyers that, um, yeah, it was, by the way, great save, KFA. Did I, did I thank her? No, <laughs> that's great save. I was off <laughs> watching you instead of participating. Um, the the um, jury is uh, nine people, but there are two alternates. Because of some people get sick and have family emergencies and trials have to continue. The judge has given an inordinate amount of time here to delay the trial because of uh, one juror coming up with potential COVID. When it was obvious that they, the judge could reach into the alternate pool and pull the two alternate, one of the two alternates, and put them into the box, that's not what uh, Alina Haba wanted for Donald Trump. She wanted desperately to have Donald Trump testify after the New Hampshire primary, if at all, and not before. And so I believe, sensing that the judge was leaning towards replacing the sick juror and moving forward with the trial, as E. Jean Carroll's lawyer wanted, Robbie Kaplan, she then decided to double down on that, seeing an opening as an opportunist, and said, well, I'm not feeling well either, Your Honor. I've got a fever and my parents had COVID, and I was with them. Now, if I was a judge, I'd be like, well, you're sitting next to your client who's 80 years old without wearing a mask, so how bad could your illness be? But again, he, you know, he, he took her at faith, face value, and then that combination of the juror number three who needed a COVID test and Alina Haba complaining about having a fever, the judge was like, let's go dark for a day or two, and we'll revisit the issue. Now, I don't think the judge is going to be that thrilled when he sees the photos that are out there now of Alina Haba, 
you know, there's a thank you for the arrow, Salty, with Alina Hava standing next to Donald Trump or near Donald Trump at New Hampshire. You know, she's also a legal advisor. And there's a great photo of a MAGA supporter who's taking a shot with Alina Hava. By the way, that we now have reporting or this information's out there by this guy, self-reported, that after he posted that photo, because, of course, Trump camp didn't like that photo being out there that could be used in court, he got barred and banned from a event, a Trump event. And it was all complaining, like, I'm one of your biggest supporters. I can't believe I've been banned. Welcome to Trump world. Okay, you posted a photo of Alina Haba, you know, at the event, which she probably shouldn't have. So I think there's going to be, I, I've been checking the docket to see if Robbie Kaplan and, and uh, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer would make an issue of it, because uh, I think we have extended this trial longer than it needs to be. This trial is almost done. There's only one or two witnesses left, maybe, if Donald Trump testifies. Everything else is in the can. We're left with closing arguments, jury instruction, and deliberation. And so that could be this week. Uh, the other trial, the trial of E. Jean Carroll over the summer, also took five or six days then to get to jury and jury deliberation. So this, if he, if he let me ask you the first thing. What do you think the judge is going to do, Karen? Is he going to make an issue out of Alina Haba, you know, telling him that she was potentially also sick and then going off to New Hampshire? Or is he just going to open the court tomorrow and get the jury back in the box and start taking evidence? Well, I think he's going to mention it for sure. Um, I think that at this point now, he is going to restart the trial. And because, you know, because she's clearly not sick and they're, they're supposed to be back tomorrow uh, and potentially reseat the alternates, you know, seat the alternates in and make them part of the jury. You know, they can go with fewer jurors as well. So I, I think he's going to get started and we'll see what happens if Trump does testify or not. That's going to be really the thing to watch because if you, if you notice there was a, it was like the battle of the letter briefs the last couple of days, right? Back and forth, back and forth between Alina Haba and Robbie Kaplan, who's representing E. Jean Carroll. And they're, back and forth on all these various issues. Habba's asking for a mistrial. Kaplan saying, uh, saying, you've already asked for that, and it was denied. Kaplan as in Robbie Kaplan, not Judge Kaplan, who gets really confusing here. Um, also, um, also, Alina Habba says there's a duty to mitigate. And again, uh, Robbie Kaplan fires back, no, there isn't. And, you know, just lots and lots of stuff back and forth. Even if there was a, a duty to mis mitigate, you can't just raise it mid-trial. You can't just change defenses now if there's a, an affirmative defense. And and so it was a lot of back and forth. So, so there's still kind of, there's still some stuff that needs to come, that needs to be resolved by the court. But the thing to watch is, is the letter that Robbie Kaplan gave, uh, to the court about Donald Trump's testimony and basically said that you got to control him, judge. He already has said he wants to use his uh, his time in court to uh, to basically say things that are you've already ruled are inadmissible because don't forget, they've already determined that number one, E. Jean Carroll was raped, right? That That is not up for debate. They've already also determined by a prior jury, and so it applies to this case too, that he acted with, um, with malice or malicious intent and has defamed her, that his statements were defamatory. And so the only thing left to discuss is how much money, 
damages, right? How much money does he have to pay because he keeps going on and on and on? And as he said, he is going to repeat his lies a thousand times, right? He, he said that. And Robbie Kaplan cited that in her letter brief to Judge Kaplan saying, he himself has said he's going to do it a thousand times, and so, so there's a lot of uh, of stuff that that the lawyers are asking the judge to rule on. I think also interestingly that came out in this particular letter brief uh, exchange was Robbie Kaplan said, "We are no longer, although we said judge, we wanted to use the Access Hollywood tape, and we wanted to put on the two um, two witnesses, right. That talk about, um, that, that talk about statements that E. Jean made. We're no longer going to, to do that. Okay. We are no longer going to use that, uh, use that in our case in chief, partly because we think that Trump is going to turn this entire thing into a campaign event. He's baiting the judge and he said he would love for the judge to exclude him, et cetera. And so she's trying to keep the trial focused at this point on just the damages and keep his testimony focused as well. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how, Ka how Judge Kaplan uh, limits Trump's testimony and whether Trump decides to testify or uh, is going to claim the victim again, that you know they won't let him speak. And if he does testify, you know he's, he, he's going to go off the rails. Let's see what Judge Kaplan will do. If federal court is nothing like state court, and I, we've, we've said this before, and, and Judge Kaplan has been around the block a long time. He is a very well-respected judge who knows how to control the courtroom control witnesses. And so he is not going to allow Donald Trump to, to pull the stunts that he did in Judge Ngoron's case, which Judge Ngoron, A, at state court, but B, there was no jury there. So it kind of doesn't matter because Judge Ngoron can ignore the things that are inadmissible and inappropriate and just only look at things that are legal and, and admissible. But when you have a jury in the room, if Judge Ngoron had a jury in the room, he would not have allowed uh, Donald Trump to do the things that he did. And I can tell you right now, Judge Kaplan isn't going to either. So so that will be really interesting to see mm. really Judge Lewis Kaplan versus Donald Trump, because that's what this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I have a one one thing that could happen if Donald Trump violates all of the um, rules of the road that the judge has already set about the twenty things that he can't talk about, or it will be a mistrial, or he'll be sanctioned. I mean, those are pretty stiff lines in the stand or guardrails that have been put around this trial and Donald Trump's testimony. You know, there, there's just he he, he there's just. Uh, more than a dozen things, that, categories of things that Donald Trump can't talk about that you've listed some of them here. Donald Trump kind of uh, heads into that direction or is led there by Alina Haba on purpose or accidentally, whether she tries to open the door or not, you're going to see a lot of admonishments and a lot of the jury being excused from the room or there's going to be a lot of work at the bench um, you know, for a sidebar about the issue. And if he continues federal judge can do with the federal judge with Rudy Giuliani. It could, he could ultimately not, the fear is that he'll, Donald Trump will try to throw over the game board 
because he's losing terribly in the courtroom to try to delay the inevitable, which is a jury verdict. But if a, if a person tries to, to obtain a mistrial as opposed to it just sort of happening and it can't be fixed, the, the statements that are made can't be cured with a curative instruction of the jury, which is the first sort of line of defense for the judge. Instead of just granting a mistrial and saying, oh, we got to start all over again, the judge could find Donald Trump in default and default and uh, even on the issues of damages, because this is not a liability case. As you said, Karen, the, the rape has been established by a judge and a jury. The defamation has been established by a judge, by a judge. The, the elements leading into um, punitive damages have been established. It's only about the money now. It's only about the size of the judgment verdict by this new jury against Donald Trump. But the judge could find that Donald Trump has lost his right to have a jury decide this issue and then make the decision himself and throw the book at him financially. So it's a dangerous game that Donald Trump may may try to play. I'm still not completely convinced that he takes the stand. I, uh, he's going to lose whether he takes the stand or not. Um, if he just wants to do it as a campaign moment, um, you know, to, to grab the news cycle, that's one thing, but he's not going to win this trial. This jury is going to rule against him. I'm, well, sure they're, I'm sure they're fed up with Alina Haba, and I'm sure nothing that Donald Trump says on the stand within with he's either going to stay in the box that's been given to him in color inside the lines, and that's not going to be helpful to the jury for punitive damages, or he's going to color outside of the lines and risk having a default judgment or a sanction against him or being found in contempt. The only problem is. If there's a default judge, so a defendant can't can't cause his own mistrial, right? Because yeah. that would incentivize bad behavior, and so the judge isn't going to do that unless there's something really, really egregious happens, obviously, and then they have to. But but you really there's a there's a very strong public interest against allowing that. But if the if the if he's precluded from testifying. Or if there's a default judgment against him, although I love that as an option, he will he will then of course play the victim card again, which is his favorite card, right? And so I I think that they will do everything they can to try and rein him in and try to make this uh, make this just as tight as possible, but I don't think you can rein him in and he'll, he'll, he'll say he's the victim anyway, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to try, he's got his own agenda if he testifies. It's not, it's a mismatch between that and the justice system and, and the uh, civil justice system here. And you're right. I think we have, but fortunately we've got a skilled practitioner in Robbie Kaplan. We've got an amazing judge in Lewis Kaplan and, uh, and then you've got a, a very weak trial, trial lawyer practitioner in Alina Haba, and you've got an out of control. He's not even out of control. He's in control. He's going to do what he wants to do. Uh, say he's out of control makes it sound like he's you know this is an accident. Whatever happens if he gets on the stand, but we will we will watch it closely. Um, you know, in that case, and we'll follow it the way we have. We've been dark a couple of days. It's allowed us to get some hot takes up collectively, Ben, you and me, about the case, about the trial. I've got a viewer guide that's up in hot take land uh, anticipating Donald Trump's um, testimony tomorrow. But we will have to... Um We'll have to we'll have to kind of watch that. Let's uh, before you before you move on. Just yeah. I want to point out one more 
little, sure. little tiny thing. Right. One of the things Robbie Kaplan asked the judge to do was to make Trump certify or swear, I should say, make him swear uh, that he understands the limits. She, she said in her letter, there are any number of reasons why Mr. Trump might perceive a personal or political benefit from intentionally turning this trial into a circus. And she said, uh, so make him swear that he understands the limits. She wants to put him under oath to swear that he will not violate the court order because she's setting him up for contempt. So I just wanted to point that out, that she's making sure, uh, she's making sure that if necessary, he can be held in contempt. I agree with that. I think the faster you get Donald Trump under oath, the better because of, because of those very things. And that's exactly the type of um, great lawyering that I would expect from our friend of the pod, Robbie Kaplan. And we're gonna talk next about the DC Court of Appeals handing Donald Trump another loss and then Donald Trump having to make some sort of calculation about whether he's going to go to the United States Supreme Court again, go to that well again, related to the gag order that Judge Chutkin put in place that was largely affirmed by a three-judge merits panel of the D.C. Court of Appeals. And then you've had what just happened that we'll describe and discuss at the full on banc 12-judge uh, uh, panel of the D.C. Court of Appeals. Um, and um, then we're going to talk about um, the Supreme Court decision, um, and, and it, it's temporary in nature, but it's powerful in impact of having five votes to protect migrants and people trying to immigrate to this country, and the ability of the federal government to regulate at the border, including through border patrol, and to cut down, cut down inhumane miles of barbed wire, razor wire that have been put up that 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 prevent the border patrol and therefore the federal government from doing its job, exclusive jurisdiction to regulate the areas of immigration control and in and foreign policy. And that has pitted the Biden administration against which state? Fill it in, fill in the blanks, Texas again. And then we'll talk about what the Second Circuit's uh, recent decision this week about the pharma bro and what it means for the power of the New York Attorney General in the case against Donald Trump. But first, we have one of our many sponsors that have, have uh, signed on board to join Legal AF for 2024. Can't be more excited than that to have them, those that sponsor us and sponsor what we do and keep our voice on the air. And here's one of them now. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last three years, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. This routine has taken the place of my old routine, OJ, a swig of coffee, and whatever gummy vitamins were on sale. And I wonder why this didn't really work. But with AG1, it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And instead of sluggish and run down, it makes me feel energized, focused, and ready to take on the day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. With AG1, without even thinking about it, I know I'm automatically getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support with vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods. I like to think of it as a nutritional insurance, which with my growing family, I need. I know I'm covering my nutritional bases right from the start of the day. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long, a product that I've been using and endorsing since I co-founded Legal AF more than three years ago. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. 
Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash legal AF. That's drinkag1.com slash legal AF. Check it out. Copilot is a personalized fitness solution. Every individual is unique, so your fitness journey should be too. Copilot's app links you with an affordable, real-life fitness coach who customizes workouts tailored to your individual needs and goals. No fitness fads here. Work out anywhere, anytime, and make fitness a seamless part of your lifestyle. With Copilot, you'll get completely personalized workouts with step-by-step guidance. Your coach continuously updates and adapts every workout to your goals, schedule, and injuries. The My Copilot app offers a connection to a real-life expert coach, and the workout plans tailored by your coach are meant to be enjoyable and effective with regular progress check-ins and the support and guidance you need for your fitness journey. The workout programs are designed around your specific lifestyle and the ability to work out at your convenience anywhere you want. My Copilot makes it easy to start and stay committed to your fitness goals. My coach, total rock star. He keeps me motivated and committed to the program he's designed for me. The thing is, Copilot coaches are here to help you and they truly want to see you succeed at every step of the way. The flexibility of Copilot with all of our busy schedules makes this the perfect way to stay committed. The fact that the workouts are planned and designed by my coach allows me to take even more off my plate and focus on reaching my peak performance. I'd love for you to follow my lead to get fit and feel fabulous. Give Copilot a try to find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to go.mycopilot.com to get a 14-day free trial and 20% off your first month of personalized fitness with your own personal trainer. If you sign up before February 1st, 2024, that's go.mycopilot.com slash legal AF to get a free 14-day trial and 20% off your first month. Sign up for the new year and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. We're back. <laughs> Speaking between AG1 and Copilot, man, I am rocking for 2024. <laughs> Which is good as I'm on the road. I'm in Georgia, visiting my mother. No, I mean, although I have my new opinions about Phony Willis and Nathan Wade, which I shared in a hot take, which will be showing up soon. Maybe we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. But that's where I'm at. Um, I, this morning, you know, this morning I wasn't feeling great because I've yeah. been traveling too and I haven't yeah. been sleeping well. And, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to drink my AG one. And, you know, I added a little packet of Armra, which is another sponsor. That's the, the, <laughs> this colostrum. I mean, throw I, it all I, in there. <laughs> no, but seriously, and no. I started to feel, I'm, I feel better. I yeah. felt like I needed something to, to make me kind of feel better. And I've never done anything like that before. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled that this, that our sponsors have really uh, introduced us to so many amazing products that, that, you know, I, I have 
I use and make part of my everyday life, you know, whether it's, whether it's Moink or whether it's one skin or, <laughs> or, I mean, I know I'm just, there's so right. many that are such an important part of our, of our life, but it's just funny that, that the uh, AG1 this morning, like it really helped me feel better. Yeah, me too. Especially running around, but, and we thank our sponsors mm-hmm. because without them and everybody that's in our audience, it's just Karen and me and Ben <laughs> chatting away on a Zoom, which is what we used to do. But uh, now we're back to Legal AF. Let me frame the uh, – we don't spend that much time on it, but I'll frame the D.C. Court of Appeals issue, and then I'll turn it over to you to wrap it up, Karen. So um, as most people, I hope, recall, there was a lot of gag orders that were being imposed on Donald Trump because of his bad behavior and conduct. We had the ones up in New York. With the New York Attorney General case with Judge Angoron, a couple of gag orders related to Donald Trump, which he violated and had to pay uh, a lot of fines to the court. And then Judge Chutkin had sort of had enough, and Jack Smith, special counsel, the DC election interference case, which is currently in on ice, awaiting, and boy, are we tapping our foot here on Legal AF, waiting for the DC Court of Appeals three judge panel to make their ruling. We don't really know about whether Donald Trump has presidential absolute immunity from criminal conduct while he was in office. Just saying it out loud, even, you know, I would think our legal AFs law students are all like, how could that even be a thing? And we don't think it is. And we're just kind of perplexed a little bit while we're waiting around for Judge Pan, Judge Childs, and Judge Henderson to get together and vote and write an opinion. An opinion that, frankly, I thought was going to take about four days, given the fact that every one of the justices that have ever touched the issue has indicated that they think it's important from a public policy and a justice standpoint that the trial of Donald Trump on the issues in the D.C. election interference case go to trial before November. Well, then hurry up and write the decision. It doesn't take that long, um, but they are taking that long. In the meantime, the trial level uh, activity is is virtually stayed, meaning we're, we've lost the March trial date, You know, just to manage expectations. There's not going to be a first week in March trial of Donald Trump at all based on the recent rulings by Judge Judkin. Um, if it's an April trial, that would be great. May is probably more likely. Still enough time. And then, of course, the May trial date collides with Judge Aileen Cannon, who's been holding a table for Donald Trump, allegedly, in the in the obstruction and espionage case in Mar-a-Lago. So you got all these things going on. In the meantime, Chutkin gagged Donald Trump. The gag order is still in place, even though the case is stayed. Even though the case is on ice, awaiting this D.C. Court of Appeals ruling, the gag order is in place. And so far, eh, sort of, kind of, Donald Trump hasn't violated it. And if he did, Jack Smith would file something. And that, the judge has said, she retains jurisdiction to continue to enforce. Donald Trump didn't like the gag order that Judge Chutkin imposed, that another, a separate three-judge uh, a merits panel of the D.C. Court of Appeals um, did a little, they did a little editing little editing, but the heart of the Judge Chutkin gag order in place and affirmed by that three-judge panel. And 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 because Donald Trump, I guess, thought he would get a majority of 12, which was virtually impossible. And I said this on a hot take, and I said it to Ben, and Ben didn't agree with me at the time, which I will remind him on Saturday, <laughs> because there was already three judges that were against it. And so, because it was, it was unanimous, and then that left nine left, which means in order to get the majority, he had to get, you know, four 
uh, four more out of the remaining five um, or six. He had to get four out of the six. I just didn't think he was going to be able to do that, even if they got to the merits of the argument. But he can't even get to an, a 12-judge panel for rehearing because, and I'll turn it over to Karen. <laughs> because in a very short, brief order, the the entire panel uh, basically said, upon consideration of appellant's petition for a rehearing on Bonk, the, um, the response thereto and the absence of a request by any member of the court for a vote, it is ordered that the petition be denied, which basically means that nobody asked to uh, to dissent, nobody asked to be heard, nobody asked to do anything other than just denied. I, I can't remember. Somebody says uh, there was a judge, a, a judge's favorite. Uh, there's a, fa a famous quote from a judge I, that is, "I have two words to to say to your request: denied," <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and that this is just a massive, massive yeah. smack. It's a, huge, it's, a, it's a huge blow because not one of the 12, we know the three that voted in the merits panel were not going to vote for reconsideration at the 12 judge panel. So take them off the board. Of the remaining nine, he needed to get a total, he has to get a majority to even consider having the en banc. And then they have the en banc and then they have the, then they have to vote again to see based on the merits, uh, whether they're going, they could, he couldn't even get. He couldn't get two nickels to rub together. He, could, he couldn't get one judge to say, I think the three-judge merits panel got it wrong, which is no surprise because Judge Millett wrote the opinion, and she's very well-respected. Again, one of these short-list Supreme Court people, as a lot of them are. Uh, it's the feeder, you know, the D.C. Court of Appeals, as we've said before, is the feeder program, sort of the minor leagues for the United States Supreme Court. Many of them get elevated to the United States Supreme Court. That's where Ketanji Brown-Jackson came from. That's where many of them came from, frankly. And so, um, you know, that, but that's another resounding loss. This is the strategy that Donald Trump, that's giving strategy a way too big of a uh, heavy lift there in the sentence. The strategy of Donald Trump, I don't know who the strategist for Donald Trump is. Boris Epstein seems to be the one that forces Donald Trump or or reinforces with Donald Trump that he should file these ridiculous lawsuits that end up getting Donald Trump sanctioned in Florida and in New York and different places. Um, and then he's got this other group of appellate lawyers like John Sauer, who's not very good. He was the one that argued the presidential immunity case, the one that got all caught up and started to stammer about whether Donald Trump could order SEAL Team 6 to take out a political rival or not. If, if Would that be okay? You know, that was the question there. And you figure he'd be prepared for something like that, but he wasn't. And so he, you know, Trump, because nobody wants to work for Trump, that's a very good lawyer, does not have a brain trust around him to help him make decisions. Like if I were in his camp, which... <laughs> One disclaimer, I would never be working for Donald Trump. But if I was, I would never take an en banc decision, an en banc request for, for consideration. Now Donald Trump has got a um, harder case to, to, because now the United States Supreme Court and John Roberts, who would be the first judge on the, the first stop on the train, 
if Donald Trump tries to appeal the gag order, I want to turn this back to you, appeal the gag order to the United States Supreme Court through John Roberts, they already know that not one, not one of the 12 people that are their colleagues right below them thought it was worthwhile to change change the, you know, change the decision. So let me ask you, do you think Donald Trump takes this on appeal to the United States Supreme Court of trials? Only because I think his trial strategy is, in all his cases, is to throw shit at the wall and to see what sticks. And so he's just throwing everything out there because some things will delay if he can get any traction, if he can just get any delay, because he doesn't really want to go to trial on any of these cases. He just wants to play the victim and try to get himself elected president so he can dismiss all these cases uh, and never face any justice whatsoever. So his strategy is to muck up the works. He's got terrible lawyers who, uh, well, I shouldn't say some of them are terrible lawyers who don't know what they're doing. And if in some ways that plays into his whole into his whole strategy because they're just mucking up the works. And that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to win on the merits. But I have three things to say. Number one, WTF is taking the DC circuit so long to rule on presidential immunity. I mean, they should have had that decision uh Two weeks ago, when they the the day after that they that they heard that case, and unfortunately, because it's taking time now, it's playing into this whole thing about the the case not going and this trial not going, and the sure the the I think that the uh, judge Shutkin sees the writing on the wall that this case isn't going because she just scheduled another Jan six defendant not. Donald Trump, somebody else, his trial to start April 2nd. And so if she doesn't think this case is going anytime in March, or she would have uh, not scheduled that case, because the the um, federal court trial dates are real. It's not, again, not like state court, where it's sort of a suggestion, and we'll see what happens. Uh, and they get pushed and pushed and pushed trial dates are real in federal court. So she knows it's not going in March. And this also means she doesn't think it's going in April. So I that made me really, uh, really kind of sick to see that. And then number three, I'm reading the, the live chats. Um, Jordy did not have a baby. Everyone's saying that Jordy had a girl. Jordy has not had a baby yet. So still on baby watch, but I just thought we should get that out there because I've seen lots of people, um, lots of people saying it. I agree. I agree. Wrong on many of those counts related to Jordy. We'll leave it at that. On the, you're right about Chutkin because uh, I, I think I did a hot take on this. She buried in her order on the motion that Donald Trump brought for contempt against Jack Smith, in which she sided 95% with Jack Smith and just gave a little ice and winner to Donald Trump about future motions that deal with substantive issues that need to be briefed before the judge will even allow them. Um, she said, um, I don't expect, and this is different than I had actually thought. I, the judge said, I don't expect, and I don't think that Trump and his team are preparing for the March trial. So, and I said, and she used her own quote, she, you know, when you, it's always great when judges quote themselves. I said that I thought there was, if, if seven months was available, for real preparation. I thought that was sufficient time, but it's not going to be seven months because we've lost the month or we'll be, we're up two full weeks of the case being more than two weeks of the case being stayed. And so it's almost a month since the case, the appeal was filed, which is when she stayed it. It's two weeks since the oral argument, 
it's four weeks plus the case has been put on ice. And therefore, even under Judge Chutkin's principles, there's not enough time for Donald Trump. And so I wasn't surprised when she said that. Then I wasn't surprised when she's already filling up her dance card for April with another with another case. But Will, uh, I don't know what's going on. It's tapped. I have a theory. Ben and I have kicked it around. I think I kicked it around. I kicked the rock around with you a little bit too. That Pan, Judge Pan, who's going to write the decision, I believe she's the one that came up with as and so masterfully came up with. Um, talking about a sniper, she took out John Sauer in about two seconds flat with her um, SEAL Team Six question to him. She either wants three a three zero, and she's having trouble with Henderson, who's the George W. Bush appointee, who has seems to have her own uh, her own unique interpretation of presidential powers and executive privilege, as expressed in some other cases, or it's just taking them longer to write the, the decision. I think they've. They, I think they've already polled and decided. I'd be shocked if Childs and Pan aren't already uh, haven't haven't already decided against Donald Trump in their minds. And now they're either trying to get Henderson to come along for the ride and not dissent because it's such a momentous issue, or they're hung up about the jurisdictional issue, which was raised not by the parties but by Amicus Friends of the Court brief about whether the court has jurisdiction at all, which is an easy off ramp. To say I we don't and this is not an appropriate interlocutory or middle of the case midstream appeal. You got to wait till the end of the case. It's not that kind of immunity as expressed in the United States Constitution because presidential immunity is not in the United States Constitution. Mm -hmm. It's judge made. It's common law made. It's from a line of precedent of the United States Supreme Court dating back whatever you know dating back you know to 1807 or whatever the argument is so there there there's a struggle that we're not privy to that's going on behind the scenes uh, I, I would assume that any day this we've been saying this for two weeks any any time this week or next week uh, we're gonna see the decision and then there's gonna be an immediate status conference with judge Chutkin she's gonna call the lawyers back in and say we lost the month but I want to set this trial for and she's gonna she's gonna say it she's gonna say may one or whatever she says uh, because these jan six trials don't go that long even though she set that april trial i mean unless they're the oath keepers of the proud boys the, they don't go that long uh, especially if it's a do we know if it's a bench trial a character no. jury no it's a jury trial it's criminal yeah. and you yeah. know but i look i i agree with you they're probably arguing over some one portion of of how they're going to rule right it doesn't necessarily mean they're the overall question of presidential immunity is is really mm -hmm. what's holding them down or holding them keeping keeping this going keeping this back from being published it could be some one particular issue uh within the the greater issue but the problem with that is then we're we're losing the forest for the trees as they say because this is a game of inches right this is donald trump every day every week that goes by that these trials don't happen you get closer to the election and the harder it's going to be to hold him accountable let's say he let's say he's convicted but he's up in all the polls Polls, he's definitely the nominee. You really think that a judge is going to put him in prison at that point and sentence him and prevent him from from uh, from actual the actual election? I mean, every day that goes by that he is not held accountable, that there are that there are um, delays, is every day that we get closer and closer to never 
holding him accountable. Yeah. And so that it's it's he's winning. Even if he loses each argument, he is winning because these ca cases aren't going. And thank God for my old office, the Manhattan DA's office, because on March 24th, in the Stormy Daniels election interference case, the very first time he engaged in election interference, my old office is going to say the three words that my three favorite words that I loved to say, which is people are ready people and they are ready are for trial ready. and they are going to go. And <laughs> thank God for my office. Everybody who's like, why is that the first case? Why is, why are they bringing that case? Oh, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. Guess yeah. what? Manhattan DA's office, once again, is going to be the, the office that, that brings it. And it's the only office that's going to do well, it. They were so. the first to indict. And so, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a poetic justice, Alvin Bragg, who took a lot of crap, including being interviewed by you and taking crap in the in, in whatever chats we had at the moment you know i i think there's 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 a certain cosmic justice to him being the one that brings the first actual trial criminal trial against donald trump having brought the criminal trial against the trump organization i got some exciting news i'm excited by that i got some exciting news to share with our live chat, which we're at about 17,000, which puts us in the top three in uh, in YouTube live around the world. But that's not it. We have the ability, Legal AF, to put the Midas Touch Network over the top for 2 million free subscribers tonight during the show because we're only 5,000 away. I sound like the Jerry Lewis telethon. No, but, but it's 5,000. It's 5,000. We're, we're only, we're only 5,000 away. Go ahead, Karen. Bring it home. No, let's do it on Legal AF. Let's get That's to five. Point. Let's get That's to right. two million subscribers. And you know what, Popak? How about we do this? If we can get to two million subscribers during Legal AF, these five thousand, let's send that person a, a Legal AF T-shirt. Okay, salty. Figure out who the two millionth person is, will you? You know what? All we right. have the ability to do that, and we should figure <laughs> it out, and we should send a legal because that's pretty incredible if we can do that during our show. So everybody, right. tell them how to do it. Tell them how they can. Well, all right, that's uh, yeah, that's a very good idea. So we got seventeen thousand here in the chat, and we've got people. This will go lot. This will go out audio and video right after, as everybody knows, on the Midas Touch Network on 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 their YouTube channel. And there's a free there's a subscription button, and it's free. If you were scared by it because you thought it meant money, no, that's Patreon. <laughs> Patreon is where you is where you sign up for five or ten dollars a month, and you get some free content and other things. Uh, you get new content and exclusive content that goes with that. But just to be on the network and to get the reminders and know about our content on Midas Touch and all the content providers like Karen and me and and all the rest and all the other podcasts that we that we uh, embrace. That's just free subscription. So if that button was scaring you, you can do it now. You can you can go back out. You can stay here with us. You can go out and hit the subscribe button. It's in YouTube, right? It's in YouTube, right? Yeah. It's the YouTube network platform for Midas yeah. Touch. The Midas so, Touch channel. You're already so on it. My dad is watching right now with my stepmom and my sister. So my sister needs to help my dad press that subscribe button because I'm not sure he's he he watches. He's a legal AF. They are legal AF watchers. So, so let me ask Salty something without having him come on. Salty, is there a way to put a graphic with numbers at the at the bottom of the show while we're on this that show the number dropping from five thousand down to the number we need? Okay, 
I'm getting a maybe. He's going to work on that. He's going to, we might see numbers here at the bottom. And I'm again, I'm, we're taking valuable time out from our legal analysis because this is really important. I can't express to you, it's not an ego thing. It is an, it keeps the network vital on the air and keeps all of your content providers and shows like Legal AF coming to you uninterrupted. It keeps our, literally keeps our lights on. We are unlike other shows. We can't do it without our audience. And we are, to paraphrase Obama, we are the network you've been looking for because we are you, okay? And so your voice is louder and heard if our network touches this 2 million number. Sure, we want 3 million and we'll be pushing for that you know, six months from now. But right now we need to get to that. It gives us instant credibility and just demonstrates the power of the build of the people that are making our journey part of theirs. And so I can't even express to you what it would mean. And I would, it would take, we would, Karen and I would take special delight and we would never let the brothers forget it. If we can if, do it, yeah. If we put them <laughs> over the top on this particular show. We're both while, so competitive. We are right. We're all, I don't know if people know this about Karen, me, and Ben. We are very competitive. <laughs> and so when Salty, our producer, put it up on my chat and said, we're very close. We might be able to do it during. Oh, I see. Look, look at Salty. Everybody who's who's going to be listening to the audio won't know what I'm talking about, but we have a number and we are now with a counter up on the screen in a little box near me that says we wow look at that we were at okay, five how come 000. i don't have that no it's it's we do it's we have oh it. i see it way. it's really it's, little right there i see yeah, sorry little. yeah, and yeah. we're now we were started at five thousand when i started the spiel wow and we're now down to one nine nine five and we're going to keep that counter running for okay. the rest of the show as a motivation last last note free I can't stress free enough. It's it's thumbs and fingers at this point, people. Just do it and let Karen and I have bragging rights about putting the whole network over the top. I promise you we'll never let them forget it. Paulie, that's know. amazing that you're and doing this. I know. That's it's, absolutely it's, it's crazy that he came up with a counter. I can't even. There's going to be yeah, a little Paulie's... extra something in his, <laughs> his Christmas bonus for next year. He's amazing. amazing. He is amazing. All right. So all kidding aside, we are, we are, having said all of that, we're going to go to our last commercial break with our sponsors that support our pro-democracy podcast. Here we go. Start the new year knowing you found the right life insurance to protect your family with Policy Genius. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind for the rest of 2024 and beyond. So if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help talk you through it. As regular listeners of Legal AF know, I recently got married, and I got a child on the way, while other loved ones continue to count on my support. With these life changes, I had to address the type and amount of my life insurance coverage just to sleep well at night, secure in the knowledge that that part of my life was covered for my family. And that's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you 
if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents who can help find you the best fit for your needs. They work for you not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money and give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com slash legalaf or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash legalaf. And we are back and the counter is moving <laughs> ever closer to where we want to be. All right. All kidding aside, let's do some This is serious. That's a terrible segue and I apologize. But we've got um, the state of Texas. Who else? who has decided that they want to conduct their own foreign policy, their own COVID policy, their own commander-in-chief policy, their own uh, women's right-to-choose policy, and the rest of it, has taken on the Biden administration and Homeland Security Department again. They've decided that they want to do something, uh, a terrible bit of performative theater and political theater by rolling out miles of razor wire at the Rio Grande uh, border, between Mexico and the United States. And all that's done is prevented the Border Patrol, which is the federal agency that's responsible for implementing federal uh, exclusive supreme policy in the area of immigration and in a foreign affair and foreign policy to do their job, including when migrants such as a mother and two children who died in the beginning of January because the border patrol couldn't get through the razor wire to reach them and they drowned. That is what we're talking about, people. We're talking about migrants who are trying to breathe free and come to this country and are willing to risk it all through the Rio Grande and are being, at the last moment, when their hopes and dreams are being extinguished, right, because they're about to die, Texas offers them not a life preserver but barbed wire. And so the Border Patrol uh, and the Office of Homeland Security, Biden administration, filed an appeal and the to the United States Supreme Court from the Fifth Circuit, which is again that thorn in the side of the Biden administration of the of the uh, you know in the Fifth Circuit. What they what the MAGA do when they want to have policies like this is that they go run to some MAGA judge, federal judge in Texas, usually like in a place like Abilene that has one. Uh, justice or one judge, one federal judge, it's MAGA. And then they take it to the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans, who leans completely right. And then they get some wacky ruling. And then the Supreme Court has to deal with it. And so we were, we we thought this was like sort of a no-brainer when when even though the Fifth Circuit said, we're going to do an emergency appeal and we're going to have oral argument in February 8th and all of that. But in the meantime, the razor wire stays up. And that's not good enough for the for the Biden administration to let people die at the border. And so they ran to the United States Supreme Court on an emergency application coming out of Texas, which is a Lido country, for those that follow which judge is assigned, which justice is assigned to which region. And the full, full panel without it, without a written decision, but we know who dissented. <laughs> I'll leave you at that. The full panel of the of the United States Supreme Court de decided the issue. And only five 
of the justices thought that the supremacy clause, the United States Constitution, is a real thing, which what I was taught in law school and forever until this current version of the United States Supreme Court, that in certain areas of uh, related to federal policy, immigration, uh, the ability to conduct foreign policy and affairs, that is an exclusive jurisdiction for the federal government and our brand of federalism. And it ousts the ability of states to interfere and legislate in that area. Like Texas can't have its own ambassador, right? Texas can't declare war on another country. You know, Texas, you know, because they're a state and states have certain powers that are given to them and and uh, and there's uh, provisions of the constitution uh, that, you know, anything not reserved to the federal government is 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 reserved to the states. Okay, I get that. But in the areas where the country reigns supreme, the federal government reigns supreme, they have exclusive jurisdiction. They have forever, except uh, Gors um, Gorsuch, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Thomas don't believe that. And so they were willing to let the barbed wire stay in place, believing that the uh, that Texas had the better argument, more likely to to uh, win on appeal, uh, than and the Fifth Circuit therefore than the others. But Amy Coney Barrett, I presume, because dead children were involved and she's got nine children. I don't know. I want to hear your view on this one, Karen. Joined with John Roberts along with Sotomayor Kagan and um, and uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson to stop and block the razor wire and let it be cut down by border patrol while the appeal continues to wend its way through the Fifth Circuit. Now, so the Supreme Court hasn't made a substantive merits ruling, but has signaled to the Fifth Circuit where they're ultimately going to end up, at least on a five to four vote. What did you make of it? And what did you make of Amy Coney Barrett joining with Roberts? Because she rarely does things of judicial courage. And uh, Why do you think she ended up there? And what happened to the other ones and the supremacy clause? What's your, th what's your theories on all of that? So this is, look, this is a really tricky issue because this is really ultimately a complete and utter failure by Congress, right? Congress, the, what, the current situation that we're in can't stay. It, should we, we need to have borders that are secure. We need to have a lawful way for people to come to this country. The reason there are people who are dying at the border is because we are not equipped as a country to have people just come in in the numbers that they're coming, the ways that they're coming, we're just not set up to handle it. Not even just the entrance, but but cities, sanctuary cities, where these these migrants are getting are are choosing to come and getting bust, uh, are also feeling the the massive massive punishing. Uh, punishing amount. I mean, even New York City, they're running out of beds for people. You have a right to have anyone who asks has a right to be housed and have a bed and they're running out. And there are people who are on the street. And so there's absolutely a complete and utter failure of Congress in this regard. And I think we have to call it out. And as a result, when you have uh, people like like Governor Abbott, who are willing to uh, be inhumane and cruel and put people's lives at risk, uh, it really creates a situation that is untenable. And of course, there is no way, I mean, the supremacy clause is, is 
such such a part of every part of our laws and legal system that at the end of the day that has to win uh, and that has to win out but i think what i make of this is just the sheer frustration that the justices are even having about about look this is we we can talk about texas tort law and the ability to uh to protect your borders and your you know that they they sued them they they basically um they, they Texas did this under this weird tort law basically saying that you're the damage here is you're cutting my razor wire I mean that's not what this is about this is not a case about about cutting razor wire this is a case about the failure of our immigration system and and the fact that it does fall on all of the states and and so I to me this is this was a very technical ruling on a application to vacate an injunction pending appeal, right? This is not even on the merits necessarily of the issue. It's just whether or not the supremacy clause applies and whether Texas can use their state tort law to restrain federal border patrol agents. And at the end of the day, right, they, they can't possibly say that an injunction was, um, was appropriate, which is what the Fifth Circuit allowed, because injunctive relief requires an irreparable injury and the cost of razor wire or salaries of Border Patrol agents is not irreparable. But but at the end of the day, something has to happen here because this is untenable. And 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 nobody wants to, you know, there, there are so many areas where Democrats and Republicans could agree, but the Republicans don't want to give the Democrats a win, period, full stop. Even if they agree on the issue, they're never going to do something that gives them a win because this allows them to say, look, Joe Biden's failing. He's failed. Look at his administration. Look what's happening. And everybody feels it. Everybody sees it, especially the, the people who want to come here for a better life and should have a right to come here safely, but also orderly. And you, you just can't. Th this situation is untenable and shame on the Republicans who are using them, truly using them them to uh, to make a point and and try to get their uh, their chosen dictator elected president and then yeah. he can turn around and 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 save the day so so th this this is just a this really just pissed me off on so many levels and was frustrating because it's not about razor wire and the salaries of patrol agents right that's that's not what this is about and so if we're if we're just going to focus on that we're not focusing on the issue and so we have to call out congress in my opinion for this utter failure because there are lives at stake yeah we're gonna see what the fifth circuit does next because just because the supreme court has signaled that they have five votes or john roberts has five votes um, to reinstitute or reinstall the supremacy clause and put the federal government back where it belongs, which is regulating exclusively in the area of immigration. Um, but the Fifth Circuit has been known to thumb their nose at their bosses of the Supreme Court, and the, the appeal continues at the Fifth Circuit with this uh, ability for the Border Patrol to take down the razor wire in the meantime. But that doesn't mean the Fifth Circuit doesn't rule in favor of Texas and tries to reinstall the the, barb, the barbed wire, the razor wire. And then we'll have to see at a substantive level what a Supreme Court would do. But I think the signal is already being sent. I mean, you'd have to really decide at the, at the Fifth Circuit that you're going to thumb your nose at the Supreme Court if you're going to rule against 
uh, if you're going to rule against the Biden administration at this point. But there's only one place where you can find out information about about the developments on this. And as people, I think, have come to appreciate, we follow our stories and we update our stories both on the podcast and on hot takes in real time as they happen. So let's turn now to our last story for today um, and kind of wrap it together. Because to some people, it would have been just, well, you know, Martin Scarelli, who was pharma boy, you know, has been trying to get out from under his prison sentence and being barred from the pharmaceutical industry, having spent and having have, having had to repay $65 million in disgorgement brought by various New York attorney generals. But it has an impact on the New York attorney general case, her powers that are being challenged, including of disgorgement and permanent bans and and semi-permanent bans of people from, from different industries in the New York Attorney General case that she has against Donald Trump for his persistent fraud, the fraud of his companies that we're still waiting for Judge Angoron. And so as soon as the Second Circuit ruled, what happened next with uh, uh, the New York Attorney General and her letter over to, and supplemental authority over to Judge Angoron, Karen? Look, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, just give one disclosure uh, because my husband, who's a lawyer, represented Martin Shkreli for a long time. So when I talk about the case, I have to, in all fairness, disclose that. Um, and Martin Shkreli, uh, basically a federal appeals court today upheld a trial court's ruling banning Shkreli from the pharmaceutical industry for life. And that, uh, that ruling, because there was a that was a disgorgement of profits, and it was also a banning from the industry. That was a case that was brought by the state of New York, joined by the Federal Trade Commission and many other states. I think six or seven other states, and it was a bench trial, like Angoran's case, and the the judge there found it was under 6312, which is the same statute that, uh, that is applying in Trump's court and it banned him for life as well as disgorged profits. And so, um, and so the attorney general, Letitia James seized upon this decision and basically in this ruling, because it was a, this is now a federal appeals court and, and basically wanted to make sure that Arthur and Goron, the judge overseeing uh, the case here in New York, the civil fraud trial, that this is appropriate and that uh, that we want the same treatment for Donald Trump, for Alan Weisselberg, for the former controller Makani and um, Eric and Don Jr. because it's the same statute, it's similar lawsuit, and it's kind of provides a roadmap for what Judge Angoran will have to find in his finding if he wants to do this, right? Because one of the things that the court found in the Shkreli ruling was the scheme was egregious, deliberate, repetitive, long-running, and ultimately dangerous, and therefore it was okay. The injunction was a reasonable measure to protect the public from the risk of this recurring again and the disgorgement was appropriate. So they literally gave a roadmap for Judge Angoran if he wants to do this remedy, which is what uh, the Attorney General has asked for, 
they gave the roadmap of what he'll have to find. And so I wouldn't be surprised if his decision has some of that language or all of that language in, if he decides to also provide that remedy in this case. Yep, and I appreciate, I appreciate all that. When you and I were talking about what we're doing today, I had known about your husband's role in that case, and I, I but I was, I was pretty confident that the things we were going to talk about wouldn't implicate any of any of that. But really, just the legal principles. We don't shy. I think it demonstrates something here. We have a lot of integrity on the show, and and I'm going to say it for my my colleague. Um, we we disclose where we where we believe we have to ethically where we have connections or interactions the, that so people understand that you know our opinions are our own um, and I'm not saying they're colored in any way uh, but that um, you know we're going to be honest with our audience I think the honesty and the integrity I always find refreshing and it's um, I I wouldn't do this podcast and I wouldn't join forces with Midas Touch or the brothers or with Karen if I didn't feel in the deepest part of my being in the fiber of my being that I am um, doing this work with the most ethical um, and honest and kind group of people around I mean that I, I mean that's I don't have to do this. And neither does Karen, neither does Ben, neither does the brothers. None of us have to do this. We want to do it. And and in our interactions with each of you in chat, in lo- in life, and I'm rubbing elbows with you, is so heartwarming. Um, and I just can't express enough for it. And, and that's why we feel compelled to say things like, well, I was in front of that judge, or you know, or, or we my, one of my relatives handled a case that was really related to that. But we feel like your family and we share things with you, good things in our family, bad things that happen in our family, Karen on on law and order <laughs> sharing there, you know, because um, we just it's the warm embrace of everybody that's part of the legal AF community um, can't be under can't be underestimated. And and like, for instance, I, I made a joke about an encounter that Salty made on the fly about new subscribers. And I think we set a, I don't think we're going to quite get there, Karen, but I think we set a record for new subscribers on a show with over 500, which is, it's not quite 5,000, but it's really fantastic. It and is wanna, fantastic. And I want to thank everybody for taking the time out of, the, of their watching and going out and free subscribing. And it's not just for the numbers. It's also, it'll get you, more content and more information and uh, kind of keep you in the loop on things on the Midas Touch Network that you may not even be aware of. I mean, we have a very deep bench now of content providers and podcasts, and we're adding to them almost every day, along with the Midas Touch um, website, which should be hopefully your 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 home, you know, your reef that you hang out at, because it provides you so much content, both video and editorial and newsroom and news breaking and social media all in one place at, at www.midastouch.com. And then the other ways to support the show, besides the, the things we're talking about and free subscribing is, and everything I'm talking about is free, is to subscribe as we've talked about. And you're watching us on the video version of this. We'll drop the audio in a few hours. And if you click on the audio also, which is free, and come back and forth, that helps with the algorithm. It keeps the lights on for the show, so to speak. It really is important. And I know a lot of people pick up new information, either listening to it, because sometimes they get caught up in the chat, and some of the content kind of 
kind of goes uh, goes under the bridge there. And then we do a new thing in the last several months called Legal AF After Dark, which you'll find on YouTube. And I announce it. I generally do the bumpers for it. And I announce it. And then that's a clip, one of the segments of the four or five that we do each show. And if you've seen it, great. We appreciate it. Take that clip and use it as a teaser, an appetizer, a little bit of an invitation to people in your life who you wanted to tell about the show. But it, you know, it's easier than sending them, here's an hour and a half podcast. You can send them one clip and see if they like it. And so it's for them. And if you and it's also for people that, you know, frankly don't have the 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 time or the effort, or they don't want to put in the effort to listen to an hour and a half podcast, like the people here on our chat, for instance. And so it's a way for them to get bite-sized versions, you know, of the same show and listen to the segments and be updated or being introduced to it for the first time. There are people on the Midas Touch Network that have, don't know anything about Legal AF. And we try to do crossover episodes. Like, for instance, I'm going to be on uh, the weekend show with Anthony Davis this weekend. Um, and Karen's been crossed over and done and done Lights On with Jessica. And so we, we do that on purpose. One, we really enjoy being on each other's shows. Uh, but it's also a way for us to expose who we are to a new audience who, that may not completely overlap with the audience that we currently have. And so, And then if you want to fly the flag of Legal AF, We've got a store that sells merchandise, and there it is, store.midastouch.com with exclusive gear, and those were designed. Um, we mix and match. You can mix and match these different logos for Legal AF with, with shirt types, and we have all sorts of different cuts for the shirts, and we have mugs and all different things that Karen took the lead on and helped uh, get a, a major, amazing graphic designer to do the redo our logo and all of that. So... That's what I got to say. Karen, you, you know, I always love when you end the show. What do you think? Uh, I was so hoping to have bragging rights over the brothers, I'll tell you. <laughs> I really wanted to hit 2 million, but you know what? We we got some we got some numbers up there, but I really wish we we could have gotten bragging rights, but honestly in fair, in fairness, they kind of deserve it. So, yeah. I hope it happens during their show. Yeah. And since since we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. But, so. The numbers are fantastical. I mean, I I, as people know, because the brothers joke about it too, I started with the brothers when they were on their couch during COVID and so was I, and they literally had 500 people on their website and they were dying for content. And I had just opened up a new office of a new law firm and I was like, I'll write for you. And this is how it started. And it was literally 500 people. I just clicked around while we were talking about the subscriber base just now. And it's, and yes, we're going to hit 2 million like in a minute. Um, but you know the network has been viewed over almost three billion times. Three billion. This is like the old McDonald's sign when I was a kid, where they actually changed the numbers for how many burgers they sold. Now it just says, well, I don't know what it says, but it used to say billions and billions. But when I was a kid, I got excited because they would actually—I don't know if you remember this, Karen—they would change. They would change the numbers on the sign. Yeah. The franchisor would go outside with like yeah. a little thing, and it would say three billion. And then you know I'd get excited because be like four billion. But it, like the viewing here is totally crazy. And Salty just reminded me of something. Is that the anniversary for when Ben and I first went on the air? I think it is. So Legal AF's anniversary, when Ben and I first hit the air as Legal AF, because we were something else for a minute just before that. What was, were you? Uh, Legal Roundup. <laughs> a little known show that nobody watched and wasn't very good. But, Legal Roundup. Um, but it, it got us started. It was Isn't that okay. the stuff like that? There's a lawsuit with Monsanto because it like caused yeah. cancer. Yeah, right. It was right. It was a terrible. All right. So legal AF anniversary, March 23rd, which is, is this true? 
that's only three years. Is that true, Salty? Why isn't it four years? Because we started, wasn't it 2020 that we started? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look into this. I'm gonna have an offline discussion with Salty because I know it was March of 2020. But maybe maybe it took us a while. Salty's fact checking about whether well, it was three or four years ago. Well, we'll, well there was the out. whole COVID like that with this whole lost COVID year, right? right? We lost a year. Yeah, uh, and we started as people may know, not to completely bore our audience, but Ben and I started as okay. Since so it's official, Ben and I started as a special edition of the Midas Touch Brothers podcast on Wednesday nights. So they gave us Wednesday nights. The brothers had the two nights. We did the Wednesday nights, and we weren't even our own thing. We were just special edition, Ben Micellis and Michael Popak, and we did legal, which is sort of what we did. And then when we spun out and we decided we needed our own name, our own brand, our own album cover, and the whole thing, that's when Ben and I came up with Legal AF. But, okay, that's really important. And that we're going to use that as a push another push for how long we've been on the air but listen we can't do this without you we don't want to do this without you and we really appreciate each and every one of you i get fan email which i try to respond to karen does too you know we get stuff in the chats i get stopped on the street and i have an amazing sets of conversations and then there's this quiet group that i didn't even know were watching us that will just pull tug my tug my lapel or my shoulder and just say i love what you do at night i love i love the podcast who i didn't even know we're watching it it's just totally crazy totally crazy stuff right it's great yeah so until saturday <laughs> with ben my and me and next midweek with karen and me this is a shout out to the legal af shout out to the midas mighty and we'll see you on legal af <laughs> <laughs>